Grab your Bibles. I don't want anybody to get mad at what I'm going to say right now, especially some young girl towards her father. But I said the other week in service, I said, we're going, you know, we're continuing on our journey with Jesus through the Gospel of Mark. And I understand a young lady said to her dad, I think we're crawling through the Gospel of Mark. Um, which I laughed at because we have been crawling through the Gospel of Mark for quite a while. Um, and uh, that's true. But section by section. And, and here's, my, here's what I find. That we don't have to be all that creative. I'm not a highly creative person. I don't claim to be. I don't, really, it's not what I am. God is infinitely creative. And God has given us his word. And I have found, as a pastor, 20 plus years of doing this now, if I will simply take God's word and let it speak, that God transforms lives. That God changes people from, the, from his word. And so we don't have to get all cute and do all special things all the time. Not that we can't use creativity. Because um, God breathes creativity into his people. He, just, he doesn't breathe it on me that often, seems like. Um, but what we do find is that his word is infinitely powerful for changing our lives and changing our church. Amen? So the Gospel of Mark, the ninth chapter. We're going to look at the story of the transfiguration, starting in chapter 9, verse 2. It says this, Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and brought them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his garments became radiant and exceedingly white, as no launderer on earth can whiten them. Elijah appeared to them, along with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to answer, for they became terrified. Then a cloud formed, overshadowing them, and a voice came out of the clouds. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. All at once they looked around and saw no one with them anymore except Jesus. And as they were coming down from the mountain, he gave them orders not to relate to anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man rose from the dead. What an incredible story. Can you imagine being there on that day? You ever say, you ever read stories in the scriptures and just say, that's not fair, I want to be there. You know, what an incredible story. The Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus, for this moment in time, allows his divinity to outshine his humanity. And if you don't understand it, that's what's happening there. He's glowing, basically. His, the radiance of the, his godness is outshining his humanity. You know, he's, Jesus, 100% God and 100% man, merge into this, into this thing that we can't even get our mind around, this personality, 100% of each. And all of a sudden, for this moment in time, he allows his divinity to outshine his humanity. The radiance of his glory, his godness, shines forth. And in that state of glory, it says he's standing there and he's talking to Moses and Elijah. And he's talking about the events that will soon take place, about his coming, his death and his resurrection. He said, how do you know that? Because the Gospel of Luke, in telling the same story, gives us those details. That he said they're talking about his soon departure, that he was going to go to the cross and he would die and be buried and raised from the dead. And that's what they're sitting there and they're, they're talking about. And then as they're having this conversation, it says this most amazing thing, and then this holy cloud engulfs them. And a voice, the voice of God the Father, speaks to them. And he says to Peter and James and John, This is my beloved son. Listen to him. 
You notice in your text as you read it, it says, listen to him, and then what's following? What's the punctuation mark? Exclamation point. It's a statement from God with force. He says, listen to Jesus. God the Father's got pretty good advice for us. You know what? I don't know about you, but I do believe that after hearing that, I would listen to what Jesus had to say. Wouldn't you? Now, Jesus being revealed in his divinity and the voice of God coming out of the cloud, saying, listen to Jesus, focusing all the attention on Jesus, is the absolute heart of this story. That's for certain. Correct? It's all about Jesus. It's always all about Jesus. However, there is something else in this story that may seem incredibly insignificant, but I, want, but I think is really significant. And in fact, it's where I believe the Lord today has directed me to focus our attention. And the reason I point that out saying that it's insignificant and I feel the, the, the Lord has directed me to that point is generally I don't ever do that. I really have a philosophy on preaching and teaching is that you make the main thing the main thing. You just stick with the main and the plain. And it's all about Jesus. This is what it's about. But there's an insignificant fact here that I, want, I think the Lord wants us to focus on. To focus on something that's going on with Peter and James and John. You see, for those three men, those, that inner circle of Jesus' twelve disciples, this day must have started out seemingly just like any other day. Probably for them, even though it would seem odd for us, for them as followers of Christ in the flesh, it was probably a rather ordinary day in their lives. Here they are once again following Jesus. You know, um, like they've been doing at this point for almost three years of their lives. They're walking in obedience with Him. They're step by step walking with the Master. Doing whatever He tells them to do. Going wherever He tells them to go. Giving of themselves to something bigger than themselves. Do you understand this is what they're doing? They're give, they gave their lives because they wanted to be part of something bigger and eternal. Being corrected in that process even at times and challenged along the way. Just a few days earlier, six days earlier, Jesus has looked Peter right in the eye. We talked about it last week. And said, get behind me, Satan. Because your thoughts are not about God's thoughts, but on man's thoughts. That Jesus rebuked him for, for uh, resisting God's plan that said that Jesus would have to go to the cross. This is a normal day for them. And now we find these three climbing a mountain to pray with Jesus. Luke tells us that fact too, that that's what they were going to do, to pray. Climbing not only this little, not a little hill, but climbing a big mountain. Mount Hermon is the mountain they were climbing. And we know from Mount Hermon that that climb to go up to the top to some summit somewhere would have taken them the better part of a day. See, because Mount Hermon is the mountain in Palestine. Some of its peaks rise 9,000 feet. From the Jordan Valley, it's 11,000 feet to its peak. And Jesus says to the three, Hey guys, let's go up there to pray. Now, I don't know this for certain, but I'd bet as they began to walk, the three stayed behind a little bit. And they began to talk amongst themselves. And they go, really? <laughs> Jesus, come on. Up there? There's all kinds of places to pray, Jesus. Do we really have to go up there? Following you is a pain sometimes, Jesus. We've got to walk up to that mountain to pray. There's all these places we can pray. Can't we just go to a rooftop somewhere? And I don't think they said it to him because Peter just got rebuked a couple days earlier. And he's just like, but I bet you he's saying to, the, to the James and John, you know, this is crazy. I don't really, I think they probably said this. 
I don't really feel like walking all the way up there. I don't really feel like it today. Jesus is telling me to do it, but I don't really feel like it. But what do we see from the story? That in obedience, they trek on behind Jesus up the mountain to pray. And this is where the seemingly unimportant detail about this story comes in. In fact, it's so unimportant maybe to, 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 to some that Mark, as he wrote this, what I want to talk about here, must have thought it so unimportant that he didn't even include it in his version of the text. But Luke wrote about it when he wrote about it. And it's this. Luke says this about the story. He said that Peter and James and John, after trekking up the mountainside, fell asleep while they were praying with Jesus. They're, they're pretty good at that. They did that in Gethsemane too, a little while later. But they went up the hill with Jesus to pray, and while they're praying, they fell asleep. And that then when they woke up, they saw Jesus with Elijah and Moses, talking about the things that were to come. And here's why this, I want to point out this, this insignificant, seemingly insignificant fact, but I think it's very significant, is that they fell asleep, I think, for a reason. Because they were wore out. They were tired. I guarantee you, when you go to the mountaintop with Jesus to pray, and you're committed to following Him, to being part of something bigger than yourself, you plan on praying when you get to the mountain. They walked all the way up there after all. They, plied, they wanted to stay awake, but they were wore out, and they fell asleep on the mountaintop. You know what they were? They were weary in well-doing. They were good at, they were weary at well-doing. They were, they were tired out, they were spent. Because they were walking after the Master. Now you may be sitting there and saying, so what? We're tired too, big deal. Hey, Pastor Mark, you said you're tired because your legs are sore because you ran around like a Yahoo for six hours yesterday shooting at people with a paintball gun. You know, it's a big deal. What well, is a big deal? Because here's what I found, what I found in life. And I think this story speaks to it. That this being tired, being weary and well-doing, often happens to the most devoted followers of Jesus. I'm not talking about being tired out because you're, you're running a life full of anything and everything. Running here, running there. I'm talking about you're tired out because you're following after the Master. You're spent. And I have found that being spent to the point of falling asleep when you're trying to follow the Master often happens to the most devoted followers of Jesus. And some of you in here are wore out, and you're tired, and you're maybe frustrated. And you look around in your life, with all your other obligations in addition to walking after Jesus, you look around and you see a lot of people doing a whole lot of nothing for the kingdom of God. While you're out there chasing up mountains. After the, after, that's what it feels like sometimes. You're climbing mountains for Jesus. Because he asked you to do it. And sometimes you say this. And you, you often don't say it out loud. But you usually say it in here. And I see it in your expressions. Is you say, you know what, it's not worth it. You say, I'm going to stop being a giver. And start being a taker. Because you look around and you say, there's a whole lot of takers in the world. A whole lot of people who do a, a whole lot of nothing. And you're a doer and you're used to working hard for the kingdom of God. You say, you know what, I'm just going to become a pew warmer. I'm going to come in, sit my butt down, let somebody else minister to me all the time. You see, I know some of you feel that way. And the reason I know some of you feel that way is because I feel that way sometimes. I say, God, it's not worth it. 
I'm sick of walking up the mountain. I've told Suzanne too many times, you know what? There's easier ways to make a living. When nobody cares what I do, let me just go pump gas somewhere. You know, they don't pump gas anymore, do they? Kids know what that is? They used to pay people to do that, you know. But you feel that way, and I believe that, 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 that Peter and James and John had to feel that way. They're saying, really, Jesus, what about the rest of the twelve? How come they don't got to trek up the mountain? How come they, why aren't you, if you're going to make us do it, make them do it, please. You know, they were weary in well-doing. Well, you know what? I believe I have a message from God for you, if you feel that way. I really do. The Lord completely changed the direction of how I was going to preach this message today when I prepared for it um, this week. And I really believe I have a message from God for you if you're feeling weary and well-doing. And the message is this. Don't give up. Don't back off. Because, hear me, the ones who keep pushing on, the ones who keep doing what is right, the ones who keep doing what is selfless, Hear me today. They are the ones who get the greatest revelation from God. The ones who keep on walking up the mountain even though they don't feel like it and keep pushing on, they're the ones who get the greatest revelation from God. You see, Peter and James and John were wore out from their tiredness, you know, but in that situation they received the greatest revelation from God that they had ever had in their entire life. And you know what they received that day when they saw Jesus in His glory and the voice of God speaking out of a cloud? They received this great revelation. But you know what they received? They received what others only wished they could have. I've heard it time and time again. People say to me, Pastor Mark, how come God's always doing those things in your life? How come you have stories to tell? It's because you keep walking up the mountain. It's because you never say, what's in it for me? You say, what's God asking me to do? You see, those three, they received a greater revelation of Jesus than anybody else had. Others had little glimpses into Jesus' divinity before that day. They saw Him when He calmed the seas. They saw Him when He fed the 5,000. They saw Him when He healed sick people. And they would usually ask this question, Who is this guy? And they'd say, Could it be? Is this the one? Is it just maybe? Could that be who he is? Little glimpses saying, just maybe this is the one. But that day on the Mount of Transfiguration, there were no more doubts. They saw Jesus in his divinity. It says he glowed before him. He became radiant. And they saw him as God. And I promise you, I promise you, as you keep walking in selflessness, in selfless obedience, you will see and you will experience Jesus in ever greater dimensions in your life because God rewards you with Himself as you serve Him. And friends, because Peter and James and John kept on, kept on following, kept on serving, they experienced personally what others had only heard about. You get to be the one with the story. You know, not only did they see Jesus in His divinity when He glowed in front of Him and His Godness shone through, but then it says they were engulfed in the very presence of God the Father. Look at verse 7. It says, And then a cloud formed, overshadowing them. And a voice came out of the cloud 
saying, This is my beloved Son. Listen to Him. Friends, they experienced what so often so few had ever experienced. And most in their whole, in their, in their whole genealogy, their whole history, had only heard about. They experienced the Shekinah glory of God. That's what this is talking about here. This luminous cloud that had been uh, the manifestation of God's presence in the past that they knew about. They understood the Shekinah glory of God and suddenly now they're engulfed in the very presence of God. They knew what it was. It was the cloud that had filled the tabernacle with God's glory so Moses couldn't enter in it. It was the cloud that had led Israel out of Egypt with a pillar of cloud by, by day and a pillar of fire by night. It was the cloud that had filled Solomon's temple on its dedication day in such a dramatic fashion that the priests could not enter the temple because of the glory of the Lord in this cloud. Friends, they experienced the cloud. They experienced the Shekinah glory of God. Listen to me, church. When you walk in obedience, you will experience what others have only heard about. You'll get to experience it. And they get to talk about it. You will see God do the impossible. You will experience His presence in ways that you would not if you did not keep pressing on. You will hear His voice and you'll be the one with the stories to tell. The reality that you'll get is what other people long for. But they miss out on it because of unwillingness to go up the mountain. That they choose to say no instead of yes when God asks them to do something. They always have an excuse that keeps them from moving forward with God. They will long to see and experience what you have experienced and you will experience as you serve and obey. And I'm going to tell you something. The truth is that it is worth it. It is worth it to walk in obedience in order to experience His fullness. It is worth it. Listen, friends. God knows when you get tired. I'm not telling you that you'll push yourself till you die. God knows when you get tired. He, look at this, in the story. He didn't yell at Peter, James, and John. He didn't kick them. You dummies, you're sleeping. You're missing it here. I'm talking to Moses. He didn't do that, did he? Never says, Mark didn't include it, but neither did Luke who gave all the rest of the details. He didn't yell at them. He didn't get mad because they were tired. You know, sometimes you need, to, you need a break. Sometimes you need a rest. That's why you said fishing. I heard fishers. Because sometimes you need a rest. Florida sounding good. Sometimes you need a rest. Understand something, friends. God won't push you past what you can handle. But also understand. It's often when you feel like you are at the end, the breaking point, that, you will, that God will minister to you in the most dramatic fashion that you have that Mount of Transfiguration experience. You know what, that's, it wasn't unique to Peter, James, and John. It's exactly what the Apostle Paul experienced in his life. The Apostle Paul walked in obedience. Man, if there's anybody who kept on going forward when everybody else said quit, it was him. He had his own people constantly saying to him, you can't keep doing this, they're going to arrest you and you're going to jail. He goes, what? what's wrong with you? God told me it's going to happen to me. He walked in obedience when he was tired and beaten, and shipwrecked, and hungry, and cold. And he was given his all. And one day that given his all landed him in prison. With his own countrymen plotting to kill him. For simply preaching about Jesus. 
And one night, as he was in, under house arrest, as he was being held for trial for the next day, Jesus appeared to him. And he had his, he had his Mount of Transfiguration experience. For him, maybe a second one. Grab your Bibles. Look at one verse with me in the book of Acts, chapter 23. The reason this verse always stands out to me, and it's always been such an encouragement to me, 23 verse 11, is because, I don't know, do you, read a, do you have a red letter Bible? You know what I'm talking? The red letter, the words of Jesus in red? Not that they're more spiritual or anything else, they're not. But in all the black of the regular type, which is almost all the book of Acts, because it's telling about after Jesus died and rose again. All of a sudden, right here in verse 20, chapter 23, there's red. Because Jesus shows up on the scene. Jesus himself, after he had died and rose from the dead and ascended to the right hand of the Father, he physically, tangibly comes and walks up and talks to the Apostle Paul. Look what he says. But on that night, immediately following, following the fact that he's standing before the council and they want to kill him, and it tells the next verses that they plot to not eat until they kill him. But on that night, immediately following, the Lord stood at his side. He manifested himself and he said, Take courage. For as you have solemnly witnessed to my cause at Jerusalem, so you must witness at Rome also. Look what's going on here. The resurrected Jesus appeared to him. He didn't, it doesn't say the Spirit of the Lord. It says he stood there at his bedside. Jesus said, I need to, this guy's at his breaking point. I got to go talk to him. And he appears to him. And he appeared to him, it says, because he wanted to encourage him. He says, take courage. That's what encouragement, take courage. Wanted to let him know that he was with him, that he wasn't alone, that he hadn't forgot about him. And to let him know that, look at that he had a plan in all of his struggles. That's what he's showing. He says, listen, you know, you're going to go on these other places. i got a plan for you. Be encouraged. i got a plan. You're going to fulfill this plan. I know you think right now they're going to try to kill you, but don't worry about it. They're not going to kill you because i got a plan for your life. And notice something with me if you understand what happened with Paul from that point on. That that revelation from Jesus encouraged him. And it propelled him to continue on with the ministry that God had called him to. Understand something, friends. God ministers to you and encourages you so you can keep on fulfilling the plan that he has for your life. And he has a plan for your life. He created you to do something no one else on the planet can do. I want to end today by reading a text to you that shows you how great Jesus loves how great his love for his followers is. And I want you to hear me today. If you are feeling weary in well-doing, if you're not, hey, ask yourself why not. If you are, let these words be the very voice of Jesus to you today. From the book of Romans, chapter 8. Verses 35 to 39, it says this. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep 
to be slaughtered. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquered through Him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Friends, know today that He loves you. He's not forgot about you. You feel weary and well-doing. He wants to reveal Himself to you. Scriptures say this, that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. We can say He's a rewarder of those who diligently follow after Him in seeking Him. And my hope today is that you let God wrap His arms around you today and have a James, Peter, James, and John experience or an Apostle Paul experience where the presence of the Lord says, okay, keep on going. Don't give up. Keep on going. I want to reveal myself to you. Would you pray with me this morning?